A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, a whole lot of stories were told. Seriously, it's hard to keep track of everything in the Star Wars universe. Through films, comic books, TV shows, novels, and much, much more, sorting out what is legend, what is canon, and which stories are told from a certain point of view can be a bit tough. We're here to help you sort through that mess and to stay up to date with what's going on in the galaxy. So sit tight, strap in, grab your favorite co-pilot if you want to, and get ready to make the jump to light speed. Ladies, gentlemen, Wookiees of all ages, these are the Holocron Chronicles. Welcome to the Holocron Chronicles. This is the big episode 10. Woo! My name is Mark, the Canardian. I'm joined, as always, by my co-pilot through the stars, Charlie Carden. Charlie, how are you doing tonight? Are you excited for episode 10? You know what? I'm co-piloting like I always do. I got one leg up on the dashboard, hand on the wheel, gentle growling. You know, <laughs> we're cooling it. You know, we got a little, uh, we got a little blue milk uh, seasoned that we're chugging and uh we're, we're happy campers we're good perfect perfect yeah i you know what i always remember and uh you know it's it's been a, a month a little over a month without uh, bobby the nintendo guru but i always keep in mind something that he said when we were first getting started is that you know 10 episodes that's what it takes to really know that a podcast is working well uh know that you're going to stick with it and uh, and this is episode ten for us. So this one I'm I'm dedicating to uh, to Bobby and uh, just kind of remembering him as we go. This is the big episode ten, and uh, and I'm excited to be here. I love I love doing this. I do. You know what? Yeah. Props to Bobby. He is uh, he is on that great star in the sky orbiting Coruscant. To Bobby. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so. You want to dive right in? This is our, our update. So we've been, it, we've been trading off uh, back and forth. Uh, last week we had a great themed episode with uh, with Rich. So if you missed that one for some reason, go back and check it out. Uh, so this one we're going to be looking back at the month of March for things that were released. And uh, we're going to jump into comics right off the bat. All right. And I believe the first couple selections are on your docket, my friend. So go nuts. Well, I'll, yeah, I'll I'll, uh, I'll tackle at least the first High Republic. Uh, that's High Republic number three. That's the uh, obviously the third issue in this new comic series around the uh, the High Republic, which I've been absolutely loving. It's cross-platform, so there's books, comics, uh, you know, kids books, novels. Just it's it's everything. It's it's great, and I I'd love this to turn into a series because everything that comes out of this, I'm just loving more and more. So uh, I want to kind of see this in some sort of live action rather than just 
reading and and making things up in my mind as we go but uh the publisher summary for this one this was this was an action-packed book but uh the all-new series continues a dark mystery only the jedi can unravel but at what cost a planet stricken by a mysterious blight one jedi missing and another driven insane what horror lurks in the darkness beneath beneath the rotting crops death is averted but a terrible union is formed. Can Keeve Trennis protect an innocent life while facing betrayal from within her own order? Mercy. This was, uh, like I said, this was a great book, action packed straight from the get go, right to the end. And, uh, and just kind of kept the story going of not knowing exactly what was going on and seeing the Jedi in their prime. Charlie, what'd you think about this one? You know, I, I do love the concept of figuring out what was the turn when the Jedi's, and I feel like we talked about this very strongly last time, when the turn happened, when the Jedi started to erode their connection to the Force, when they became a little bit weaker. And I picked out a moment in this uh, that really did it for me. When our, our heroine character, when Keeve is searching through the brush, the uh, young child character sneaks up on her and she turns around and mm-hmm. says, bad idea to sneak up on a Jedi. So I didn't think you could sneak up on a Jedi, this kid says. And Keeve says, well, usually you can't. And to right. me, I'm like, oh, usually you can't? Well, mm, something seems a little bit out of alignment here. And then mm-hmm. we find out in the, that we have, one, we have you know, the Corsican twins uh, of the Jedi, that we have one compromised and we have one that's uh, suffering, uh, who uh, in turn then turns around and is also compromised. Uh, mm-hmm. But that, that, that takes on... Uh, is it a seer, a seer or seeker, who is our uh, Transdotion Jedi, uh, who we've worried about less these last two issues, yeah. uh, as having a touch of the darkness is fully embraced by the darkness. So we have a planet, uh, and it's interesting, when she comes up, uh, when Keeve is walking, and she comes on, on that big hole in the cornfield, I was very much reminded of the big hole in the rock face from The Last Jedi, which, was the, which was the bastion of darkness that Rey fell into, and then she you know, went through that whole sequence discovering uh, kind of herself in, 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 you know, in multi-prism format and, mm-hmm. and dealing with kind of discovering her own darkness. So a lot of heavy symbolism, a lot of uh, very pointed Star Wars related symbolism that is uh, driving us down the road of the true darkness. Is this the real turn? Even slightly, even on a minute level, 200 years before anything else that we see certainly when we get to the prequel trilogies, when the turn uh, and the Jedi's detachment from the Force uh, allows Darth Sidious to do what he does, and nobody sees it coming, which is just staggering, even to think about after all these years. Absolutely, I, I mean, this kind of gets to the point that I brought up last episode, where you know the 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 Jedi sometimes don't realize when the darkness is overtaking them. And you know, there were a few points in this book that you know, you saw the direct effect of, of Keeve just kind of grabbing her head and, and not knowing what was going on because the dark side was so strong. But there were those other bits of the kids sneaking up and them just like not being able to realize what was really going on. And that kind of reminded me, even like you said, even if it's not a widespread issue. If, if this isn't the big downfall moment, uh, they still didn't realize that, you know, something underneath this planet that was so strong with the dark side was clouding everything for them. And that's exactly what we were talking about last time, building the Jedi temple on a Sith, 
monument or whatever, you know, that that corrupted kind of everything in the right. New Republic, uh, the, the same way that this creature under the planet, and I don't want to give too much away if you're still wanting to read this uh, for anyone listening, but, you know, there's a creature and it's a dark side creature and uh, man, yeah, it's it's kind of taking over everything and 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 kind of corrupting any light side that uh that comes down so we see uh i again big sucker for any kind of lightsaber stuff so we see uh keeves double-bladed lightsaber we see some great lightsaber action from avar chris just showing why she is the badass main character uh across many of these books or at least a central character in a lot of this uh but i yeah i love this one uh straight out and i i can't wait to see what happens uh with the twins, with Skier, uh, it's this is this is great. Yeah, I, I love it. And as I said, building a crescendo to something that might even, like I said, if this is if this is the prick in the dam that just starts mm-hmm. that trickle uh, of of uh, weakness in the Jedi with their connection to the Force, if it begins here, I find that to be uh, compelling, without a doubt. Uh, and, and and that's what I love about it. It's interesting. I was talking. Uh, in an interview that I did with uh, a college student, a friend of uh, a friend of a friend uh, who was doing a thesis in uh, cultural anthropology in Star Trek, which again, as you know, is my true love, uh, and talking about canon. And I had to talk to her about, yeah, well, you know, in Star Trek, canon, as I've mentioned before, is it's only what you see on screen, and with these two notable exceptions, which are two novels. Uh, and but with Star Wars, uh, things that happen after 2012 when the disney acquisition happened are very strictly regulated but everything is laid out as canon so Mm -hmm. everything but from the marvel comics group canon everything in the video games that you see canon everything you know this and that so it is all embracing and i've said this in episodes past embracing that larger woven tapestry of integrated world building uh that is multimedia uh, mm-hmm. Which is which is terrific, and I absolutely I love it. I, and I really wish it, it's very rare that I say that I see something in Star Wars. And I'm like, why can't they do that in Star Trek? I would <laughs> love I would love it if they would inter- uh, introduce a little bit more multimedia into Star Trek, and not having to be so absolutely strict. Because again, Star Trek still has audiobooks and comics and all this different stuff, but it's all written off as non-canon, which is a shame. I, I think it's a yeah. missed opportunity that Star Wars really does i would say exploit to the fullest i think they do a very nice job with so mm-hmm. um so yeah so that being said uh just to touch on the next thing uh also about the high republic we have the uh ya uh, series of republic adventures uh which goes on to carry uh cover just just really a little uh kind of a pinprick of the outside of it uh issue two flaming destruction has come to trimat four childhood best friends zeke and Kirix try to find safety uh, while Yoda's Padawans, uh, Lula, Frizzell, and Quart uh, try to evacuate the citizens, but the Nihil ship won't let anyone on board. And when a massive battle breaks out, Crix and Zine get torn apart. Um, again, a tri- you know, this is kind of written from a YA perspective, which means mm-hmm. we don't necessarily uh, approach it. Um, but, you know, portions of this uh, saying that your main characters are Padawan, so you've got basically your preteens or tweens, as it were, uh, that are driving driving the boat of the story, I think is a, of huge appeal to the younger reader. So I love that this is out there. Uh, again, we didn't read it because it's kind of out of our wheelhouse. But uh, if you have the younglings at home and they're of reading age, I would say put this in their hands, get them hooked, because this series is the greatest. I really do enjoy it. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, I, th- I think you nailed it there. It's, it's, uh, writing from a perspective of, of someone that's relatable. So for these, they're, you're, you're not reading about older Jedi. You're reading about the Padawan. And as a young person, that's, that's exactly, you're seeing yourself in these characters. So it's, um, yeah, I'm, I might eventually pick up kind of a collected version of this to just kind of, uh, blow through and, and see what the story is from that side. Uh, because I am loving, the high Republic stuff so much in general. And I, I follow the main comics and the main novels and that kind of stuff. But eventually I would kind of like to pick up a little bit more of the stuff that I'm missing and, and really get a compendium of, of everything because uh, I'm, I'm loving this timeline. It's really, really entertaining. Absolutely. No, they're doing good stuff. So anyway, you get to cover my favorite title uh, of the star Wars comic first right now uh, in the next segment. So go for it. Absolutely. So this is Star Wars 12. I love this one as well. It's uh, it's it's an interesting month when something brings me away from the High Republic. But this story was fantastic. So uh, the publisher's summary on this one reflections of reflections on the lost. Sorry, uh, Leia Organa and Kess Dameron share stories of their lost loves. Learn how Poe Dameron's parents met and learn the real reason Han Solo is so important to the rebellion. I absolutely love this issue. Uh, again, you know, the, the summary broke it down pretty well, but seeing that Poe Dameron's, uh, parents love story on the page was fantastic seeing the little hollow of baby Poe was just like, I was showing it like geeking out, showing it to my wife being like, look, it's baby Poe Dameron. And, uh, (laughs) and then, and then reading a little bit more about, you know, the selflessness and the heroics of Han and Chewie and, you know, kind of what they mean, not only to the rebellion, but uh, you're starting to see a little bit more of what Leia sees in Han because you know you get that in the the movies you get the you know he's a, a lovable rogue he's he's heroic blah 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 but you know there, there's a little bit left unsaid there's a little bit more to the I love you I know that we don't see that's you know you just kind of have to fill in those blanks but now these comics are actually kind of filling in the blanks for us and uh and and telling a little bit more so yeah this was this was a fantastic read if you're only going to read one this month uh, and you're a, a fan of the movies i would actually suggest skipping anything else and just just focusing on this one how do you feel about this I love that tagline because that one was one that was, and it's ironic, very prevalent in Marvel Comics back in the 60s uh, when everything was very, even on the cover of the book, was extremely uh, exposition heavy. Uh, mm-hmm. Even on the cover, and I would say even on the splash page, it would be Stan Lee writing, if you read one book this month, read this man, this monster. <laughs> and it was an episode of, it was an issue of the Fantastic Four and it had to do with, you know, Ben Grimm is a thing, who is one of my favorite characters. Um, so I totally agree with you. Um, I love this book. They've just been knocking it out of the park. Mm-hmm. I love how this book takes a big departure from the explosions and the the, the high uh, high you know pressure of Starlight Squadron and you know invading the, the Star Destroyer and Commander Zahara and and everything that has been churning for the, you know this issue twelve. So this is you know a year of this current iteration mm-hmm. of this story that we take a step back and we tell a story about love 
love begins or, or the hint of love. And, and Mark, you know what I'm talking about, how it is when you, you know, you're married, I'm married. When you have that, that first date or that first blush of infatuation of, of love, little things and little signs, you know, is the story, the story of, uh, of, you know, Poe Dameron's parents coming together for the first time, the unlikely that, you know, he bet on her racing and she says, why don't you buy me a drink afterwards then? And mm-hmm. then it just, it blossomed into love. And it's just, that's, it's just so, <clears throat> it goes to show, you know, I sometimes think of, <clears throat> excuse me, I think of Star Wars the same way I think of like how Ron Moore's Battlestar Galactica ended. It was, you know, at the end of it, sorry, spoiler alert from 2009, at the end of it, the colonials, you know, the, the colonies of man that finally make their way to our Earth was truly ancient Earth, 150,000 years in the past. And those colonials become the foundation of human society. So I kind of look at Star Wars in a lot of the same way when it's a galaxy, you know, a long time ago and far, far away. The, the, the similarities are remarkable yet unremarkable to how they live their lives versus how we live our lives, even in modern time without spaceships and lasers and and lightsabers. You know what I mean? They still have romance, and romance is difficult, and people have egos, and they screw up in romances. Um, And, you know, Han and Leia are just the greatest example. They they have this will-they-won't-they, and, you know, they have moments where Leia needs Han to be a tender, and he's a dickhead, you know, like in <laughs> like in Return of the Jedi, uh, when you know he is jealous because oh, you could tell Luke, is that who you could tell? And he goes ah, and then he comes back and he says I'm sorry, and she's like hold me. That's that's a real thing that every man has experienced with a woman that he's dated or been married to or been divorced from, in time. So to me, that that really scratches the itch. It connects the dots of making this space fantasy, you know, our real reality. And that's something that I really enjoy in any type of storytelling. That's, that's where I, that's where I'm coming from. Absolutely. Yeah. And when you really think about it, this, this whole issue for the most part was two people standing in a room reminiscing. And that sounds very boring from, uh, any kind of, you know, for, from a comic book standpoint, it's like, how do you get two people in a room and make it interesting? But it, it is the, the way that they bring those stories to life and the, the reminiscing that they, they bring up. And like you said, it's a very relatable story, even though it's happening on a starship, uh, you know, galaxies away and, and, you know, a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. So it's, uh, yeah, it is very, I, I have to say, I'm a little disappointed when you started talking about burgeoning romances and love. Uh, I thought you were talking about us starting this show and, uh, oh, you know, I mean, just, I, just I'm how, not, how we I'm just kind of came together, but, uh, not, fine. Not, talk about our yeah. wives, I guess. I mean, I'm not, not saying that. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't want to discount your feelings. I understand where you're coming from. So don't think I'm being insensitive to it. I, 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 I got you. I got you. It's okay. Yeah. It's oh, it's okay. All right, let's not make it weird. Moving on, (laughs) uh, Bounty Hunters issue 10. And I read this several weeks ago, and I read it again uh, today, as I told you that uh, I'm going to try to really be on the button. Uh, I'm going to reread everything before we do this show because it's only three or four books, and in 22 pages, it doesn't hardly take any time at all. Um, So I rocketed through this, but I know I told you when I read this several weeks ago because I I donate plasma. That's just my side hustle. Uh, So when I do that, you sit in the chair, you got the thing in your arm, and I just read a comic while I'm doing it because you're there for about an hour. You can sometimes get through one or two comics. So I was reading this, and I know I messaged you at the time. It was like 10 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, dude, the latest issue of Bounty Hunters is – is on point. I mean, they mm-hmm. are really doing it. So this was this was a beaut. So we had our hero, 
uh, that would be uh, Mr. Oh my God, am I going to draw a blank on his name? A uh, Burley, Burlight Valance, uh, Valance, uh, our bound, our bounty hunter uh, is slugging it out uh, in kind of a diehard scenario or kind of a hunter scenario. So uh, he finds himself alone, outgunned against the dreaded new uh, Onaka pirate gang. So that is, you remember. Uh, our, our main cat from uh, we saw him in Clone Wars. Uh, mm-hmm. We saw him again uh, in Rebels. That would be Hondo. These would be his race. But I saw life... him in person. You saw him in person. He's a real person. Uh, yeah. It was so Hondo Onaka yeah. is uh, he's he's the person that uh, that lends you the Millennium Falcon in Galaxy's Edge, and you see a, a big. Anim, or uh, animatronic um, version of him, and he's he's standing up on a platform, and he's talking to you about this mission that you have to go on for him, and that's when you get to fly the Millennium Falcon. So, uh, so you can see I, him up close and in person in uh, in Disney World. I love Disney how you say, you say he lends it to you when he's a pirate, and it doesn't belong to him. So that's beautiful. I love it. But well, he Paul... he borrowed it from Chewie. There is a story. Right. He explains how okay. he has it. Uh, uh, you know what? Do you I, know who I, he's voiced by? I should and I don't. Tell me. Uh, same dude that does uh, Winnie the Pooh. Oh, what is that guy's name? P- oh, oh, shoot. Now you're putting oh, me on the spot. No. Uh, completely forget who does his voice. But uh, anyway, I, you had you had one half of the information. I did. I, I'm just I'm literally just going oh. off. Uh, going off my memory here so i'm that, uh that's, that is all right the, the answer will come to you but anyway yes. uh so yes the lives of the crew of a rebel transport hanging jim the cummings jim cummings wow that's that is what what a dirty sounding name uh yeah. hang in the balance as uh battle as he battles uh against grave odds and what is the secret uh dengar is carrying that will upend valance's life this is a this is a comic now for many episodes we've been talking about oh man this is coming out every other month and it's a real snooze and I couldn't tell you what the hell's going on I felt like this was the issue that really brought it back into focus we had mm-hmm. we had we had uh, Lance got himself aboard this ship and he is just the Terminator he's <laughs> you know I was gonna say Die Hard but it, it is it's the Terminator he's getting through every obstacle and he is murdering these pirates like it's lunch. I mean, this mm-hmm. guy doesn't give two and a half shits about any damn thing. He's killing, he's slugging it away, and it turns out that the uh, the captain of this rebel transport is a traitor who says, you know, the rebellion sucks. I'm going to sell out to you guys to make a couple of bucks. I've got rebellion codes, but I'm keeping it in my head as leverage. Well, guess what? That leverage doesn't mean a hell of a lot to Valance because he rips this guy in half anyway. <laughs> uh, and at, at the end of it, and obviously Dengar is present, uh, He is uh, he's obviously... A uh, heritage character we're familiar with uh, from The Empire Strikes Back and a brief past that we see him uh, in Return of the Jedi. But he and Valance obviously being a part of the guild, they kind of go way back. Uh, And when Valance uh, finally corners him as the last man standing, he shakes out of him that Han Solo has been captured in a bounty. And I can't remember if he mentions Boba Fett by name because you see Bosk on the cover of the preview for the next Mm. issue. Um, And when Valance hears this, and he is again. He's taken down uh, the the rebel turncoat. Uh, there's a rebel uh, uh, deck sergeant who ends up taking command. Uh, but Valance takes off because he owes essentially Solo a life debt. 
mm-hmm. going all the way back from when Valance had his nearly terminal injury many years back when both he and Solo were cadets in the Imperial Navy. Um, so I'll be real interested when we hit episode 11 exactly what that means. Um, because we know Valance isn't successful in rescuing Han, but what is he going to do to potentially make sure that he gets found? Yeah, I don't know. So I, I think they'd be interesting. I get the feeling this series might be winding down because I know that when I was looking forward to Marvel previews uh, for May uh, and June further on down the road, I know that we have a we have like a Boba Fett or a Bounty Hunters like Alpha Beta like one shot. So I don't know right. if they've they've trimmed this one and maybe they finally killed it. So I, that being said, I hope we don't we don't fail to get a resolution to this story because uh, I would love to see. Boba and Valance potentially slug it out over Han Solo, and maybe that's how we finally lose Valance in the end of it. So I don't know. But anyway, this was the issue that definitely turned me, uh, turned turned it on its ear and got me to kind of turn around and start paying about this series again. Yeah, for sure. This is basically what we've been talking about this whole run that we've, like, since we've started this show and we started talking about all the different series, it's show me why I should care about this character. And is he necessarily tied into the movies? No. Is he, you know, necessarily doing stuff that intersects with the movies? Not always, but not, not only that, but this one shows us, like you said, he's the Terminator. He is diehard. He is a badass, and he's showing it right now why, no matter what it's connected to, this is still a very entertaining book. So, th- yeah, if if this is a winding down, uh, I'm hoping they're going out on a very high note, and they turn this around and they say, you know, like, yeah, okay, fine, we screwed up at the start, but we are going out with a bang, and it's going to be a big one. Yeah, I am totally jazzed. So we'll see. And again, I'd have to check the schedule because uh, I'm not sure uh, when uh, when we're going to get one of these again. But I think they really did it. They really did it well for this issue. So I'm fired up. Mm-hmm. So the next one we have is uh, Star Wars Legends Epic Collection. The New Republic Volume 5 uh, will we'll briefly touch on this one because I don't think either of us really mm. got into this at all. Uh, so this is uh, the Dark Empire trilogy. Six years after the Battle of Endor, the heroes of the Rebellion work to unite the galaxy. But a new empire has risen from the chaos to strike back at the formal rebel, former Rebel Alliance, uh, reclaiming its capital, capital of Coruscant, and building a massive new world devastator uh, to rampage entire planets. And Jabba the Hutt's ruthless heirs have placed a monumental price on the heads of Princess Leia and Han Solo. Working with Lando Calrissian, uh, Chewbacca, R2-D2, and C-3PO, Han and Leia must fight to protect the future for their children. But the greatest threat may come from the last Jedi, Luke Skywalker. So uh, that's, yeah, a whole bunch of interesting that's stuff a, but again this is this yeah. is legends right yeah so this is uh, clearly uh it really in the parlance what i was talking about of star trek this is something that is not part of current canon uh mm. i feel like i've dabbled this dabbled with this in the past and while i feel some may highly regard this and again people take to twitter to tell me uh at secret friends you if i'm totally off base but i feel like i read bits and pieces of this and mm-hmm. the story didn't really impress me the art seriously didn't impress me um but again you know, Todd will always point out that this was uh, just a few years before we got Shadows of the Empire, which mm-hmm. uh, Todd, our, our our mutual co-host Todd, who is a phenomenal skeptic, says, 
Shadows of the Empire in 1996 was the pinnacle of my love of Star Wars because we had been without Star Wars for 13 years on the big screen or outside of anything besides novels and comics. And Shadows of the Empire contained all of the multimedia with the exception of a film or a television show because there was there was a soundtrack, there were figures, there was a there was a video game, there was blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So it was. um, Yeah. This one, I I don't know if this was the one that gave us the Luke with two U's, Luke, or if that was a different one. But what I do remember of even just taking a peek of this, I was like, I think I moved on pretty quickly. So to each their own. uh, It's always nice, I think, uh, when you have a compendium that puts things all together uh, Mm -hmm. that that potentially. are difficult to find or, or in certain formats. But, you know, the contents of this are also available on Marvel Unlimited. Sorry, Canada. <laughs> Sorry, Canada, that you don't have Marvel Unlimited. I apologize. But uh, but also available in this format as well. So, again, if you're a diehard uh, and then you're also willing to uh, obviously support the system, Todd always kind of chuckles at me when I got a, you know, God forbid, actually purchase something instead of waiting it for it to come to a service for free. But you know, you got to feed the beast in one shape or form. Even though it's Disney, mm-hmm. uh, you do you do have to uh, shuck out shekels from time to time uh, to demonstrate that you are serious about supporting the brand. So if this is something that you dig, dig on it. Yeah, this collects stuff from uh, 1991 straight through 1999. So if uh, if if that's when you were into Star Wars, this might be a great throwback. But just keep in mind that it is all legends, and we try to stick to canon here. But uh, figured right. we'd mention that one anyway. True enough. So uh, rounding out, uh, what else I have to talk about? Uh, Doctor Afra issue eight. Uh, and, and again, this is a uh, Dr. Afra is a favorite character of my wife's. She is famously described as a bankrupt Indiana Jones. Uh, <laughs> so she is, yeah, a, a uh, basically a uh, unscrupulous archaeologist within the worlds uh, of Star Wars. So uh, Dr. Afra's ties to her past uh, tries to cut ties, all ties to her past, excuse me, and is trying to go back to what she does best, hunting down the most valuable treasures in the galaxies. Uh, but she has made enemies with uh, Demina Tag, as we've talked about in past issues, mm-hmm. an incredibly powerful uh, head of the Tag Corporation, uh, and hired an army of bounty hunters to bring Afra in. But now Afra's working for Demina, the job to steal experimental hyperdrive from Demina's rival, which sounds super dangerous. But we do. she does end up uh, getting paired up with Sanastaros, who you'll potentially remember as the woman who faked being Han Solo's wife for mm-hmm. a scam. Uh, early in the uh, 2015 volume of uh, the Star Wars comic. Uh, but the Ruthless General Vukura and the Unbroken Claim Syndicate are also after the hyperdrive. Uh, I would potentially myself rate this as kind of the weakest story of the month. Mm-hmm. Um, we had we were swinging so high with High Republic uh, into core Star Wars, and then Bounty Hunters was great. This, I was reading it, and I was, you know, it's it's difficult when you're reading through a comic, and this is part three of a typical five issue arc that I'm just like, I don't remember anything. And as I'm reading it, I just don't care. Uh, yeah. and, that, and that's unfortunate, but that is the vibe I got when I was reading this. So I just, I just don't have a ton else to say. It just, it was just really, this is just not an arc that's holding my attention. And again, uh, these books are kind of bi-monthly. Uh, and I don't know, you know, whether that's a result of COVID or whether that's a result of waning sales. Uh, as I said in our last uh, Canon update, if something is making money, you don't try to sell less of it. So I get the feeling that this book and potentially also Bonnie Hunters are maybe not big sellers. Uh, yet both came out in the same month. So I don't 
I don't really know Marvel's marketing strategy when it comes to the Star Wars books, so potentially uh, things will become more clear as time goes on. Yeah, for sure. It's it's weird to have a filler episode or a filler a filler issue, uh, like you said, when it is uh, you know less less uh, frequent, I suppose. But uh, yeah, I I agree with your assessment there. It is probably my least favorite uh, of the issues that were published this month. So you can't all be winners, but, uh, but there we go. So the last one in comics, star Wars adventures, number four, again, we don't really go into the IDW stuff. So I'll read a quick publisher summary of this one and uh, try not to, I don't know. I just moved my whole table and, and scratch my elbow. So if you heard that, I apologize. Oh no. Uh, Join. It's good. Yeah, join the Wookiees of Kashyyyk for part one of a special Life Day celebration, plus an exciting adventure featuring a beloved bounty hunter. Um, Life Day. <laughs> All right. There we go. I don't know what. Uh, I, I know. I, you know. I know you're struggling. I don't want you to hurt yourself. So, it, it buddy, it's okay. Okay. Right. <laughs> Let's move on. So yes, next up, exactly. we have uh, yeah some prose or audio books. What do we? What do you have uh, on the the docket uh, for us? I have a uh, a prose novel uh, which is based around uh, Count Dooku, uh, novel by Alexander Freed called Victory's Price. So uh, this sets us into the uh, the Aces of the New Republic have one final chance to defeat the darkness of Shadow Wing and the thrilling conclusion to the Star Wars Alphabet Trilogy. Did I say Darth? Did I actually say that? Da- I must be absolutely confused. Is the next is the next thing about the next thing? The is next called, one's about Duke. Duke. My 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 brain just gelled it together. So if this is the New Republic, this is obviously taking place uh, around the time of the uh, sequel trilogy. So uh, this is obviously a continuation uh, of an existing uh, kind of fighter wing uh, Alphabet Squadron trilogy, which is awesome. I love that. Um, but yeah, Alphabet Squadron is a uh, is you know is a wing operating within that New Republic time frame. So uh, the leader of it uh, in taking on Star Destroyers and Tie Fighters uh, and the Fallen Emperor's Edict of Destruction, as well as another Stranger mission, uh, one that has been champion uh, for the Dying Empire, but its loyal soldiers. So this really seems to fall within uh, kind of the time frame. Yeah, it says right here uh, five years ABY. So this would be. Uh, slightly right around the time of Return of the Jedi and essentially the fall of the Empire. So I love that time frame. Uh, and it does mention here, obviously, uh, Operation Cinder, which is central to the Battlefront 2 yeah. game. Mark knows that my involvement with games beyond Lego has to do with watching cutscene movies. <laughs> and this is one that I've watched probably twice. And it's about two and a half hours long, but boy, mm-hmm. I really do love the story. So this is super cool. I love this. I love that time frame. And again, of course, the the, the Battle of Jakku is what what was the end of the traditional empire and led us to the littered graveyard uh, of Star Destroyers and and uh, New Republic vehicles that we saw uh, in The Force uh, the Force Awakens, which I just started this week. You'll appreciate this because it's about video games. I just started this week uh, playing Lego Force Awakens for the first time in about six years because oh, I, wow. I played it when it was new on the Xbox 
360, I 360, think. I think yeah. This is one I don't. I gave that to one of my stepkids when they grew up and left the house. So and then I bought a PlayStation 4 from you know as a Christmas gift to my sons, uh, you know, some Christmas two three years ago. Uh, and so I'm 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 picking it up again, and I love it. You know, it's it, it's ridiculous because they take every bit of minutia and try to turn it into a whole level. It's like uh, the escape from the blah blah blah, and they add all this weird stuff, you know. But I love it, you know. And again, it was reminding me of how much I actually enjoyed The Force Awakens as a movie mm-hmm. where, you know, obviously there's a lot of people who bitch about it. And then the movies that follow, they bitch about those as well. But again, when you're a fan and you love something, you find a way to love all aspects of it in some way, shape or form. So I did enjoy that and I enjoy this time period. So this is fun. And again, when it comes to books, I'm have absolutely just like I, uh, I talked about on SFU, our main podcast Last week, uh, I don't really follow monthly comics anymore, with the exception of the Star Wars comics that I follow mm-hmm. for this podcast. Um, I don't read books anymore, except for audiobooks, which if I'm in my car, or let's say I'm sitting here and I'm playing a video game with the sound off, I will have an audiobook playing uh, on my iPad at the same time. Uh, and I've got a couple of Star Wars ones right now. This would be one I could very easily see adding, because again, I love the time frame and I love to see uh, things that continue uh, canonically to flesh out what happened at that time, which again, it's one of the few advantages as a diehard Trekkie, I think that Star Wars has over Star Trek, which is embracing multimedia canon. Yeah, for sure. For sure. As much as I always say, you know, I'd love to see this as a series. I'd love to see this on Disney plus. It is really nice to get different sorts of media and, and be able to consume what you want from that. And if you're a big fan, you know, you don't always have to wait for the production of a series or a movie you can get things that are a little bit quicker to produce comic books you know novels whatever it is so uh so that yeah that's that's fantastic uh so the next thing the last thing i think we have is uh star wars dooku lost uh sorry uh, jedi lost so this is a script book version of the in canon audio drama of the same name, so Dooku Jedi Lost. Uh, so I guess this is, yeah, audio drama first, and they finally kind of transcribed it. Uh, for anyone that doesn't know what this is all about, it's diving into the history of Count Dooku. Uh, so this is the the original script that they followed along. So uh, the, the summary for this one, Darth Tyrannus, Count of Sereno, leader of the Separatists, a red saber, unsheathed in the dark but who was he before he became the right hand of the sith as dooku courts a new apprentice the hidden truth of the sith lord's past begins to come to light dooku's life began began as one of privilege born within the stony walls of his family's estate orbited by the funeral moon where the bones of his ancestors lie interred creepy uh, but Ooh, soon his time. Jedi abilities are recognized and he is taken from his home to be trained in the ways of the force by the legendary master Yoda. Uh, be interesting. I'd love to, to get a tally of how many uh, Padawan Yoda had. Yeah. He seen a few he, of them in the comics, the, uh, the other stuff, you know? Yeah. He, um, he, he really was not a, a one woman kind of man, was he? Or so to speak, <laughs> he really did. He, you know, and is it we, he had a bunch of kids running around. Let's not forget, obviously in episode two, he had that 
that whole little class, but he didn't necessarily get the feeling those were his Padawans. Per se, he was just, you know, cool. And, you know, that was like third-hour lightsaber training. You mm-hmm. know, and then, there was, then there was recess, then there was lunch. Uh, <laughs> then there was, uh, uh, you know, a class on politics and the taxation of outlying trade routes. You know, stuff kids love. Of Very course, cool. of course. Yes. Uh, so continue. Uh, as he hones his power, Dooku rises through the ranks, befriending fellow Jedi Sifo Diaz and taking a Padawan of his own, the promising Qui-Gon Jinn. So we get to see a, a young Qui-Gon in this, which is pretty interesting, uh, right. and tries to forget the life that he once led. But he finds himself drawn by a strange fascination with the Jedi Master, Lean Costana, and the mission she undertakes for the Order, finding and studying ancient relics of the Sith in preparation for the eventual return of the deadliest enemies the Jedi have ever faced. Caught between the world of the Jedi, the ancient responsibilities of his lost home, and the alluring power of the relics, Dooku struggles to stay in the light even as the darkness begins to fall. And after reading that, I kind of actually want to download this audio book. I don't think I want to read the script. I actually want the full audio drama. So I might start looking for that. Look at that. You see, isn't it? You know what? And just like you do that, obviously, the hope of the show overall is to let folks know what's out there. So, you know, if you're feeling interested about it, it's also something that you grab. Definitely let us know. We we want to spend as much time, you know, possible interacting uh, with our fans. So this sounds great. And again, audiobooks, I love it. Uh, because it's easy to absorb it while you're doing other things. I'm a terrible reader. I used to block out an hour, hour and a half uh, before going to sleep to sit and read comics, and I just have absolutely gotten away from that. So with the lifestyle change, I've changed my media consumption habits, uh, and doing audiobooks are, are the obvious thing for me. So uh, so that is good. So yeah, if you end up doing that, we would I would love to you know have a, a segment of the show where you kind of break that down for us. So um, that is good stuff. So moving out of that, we do have a news flash this week to wrap up the show. Uh, we, yeah, we are now in almost in mid-April, and on uh, May 4th, or May the 4th, we will be getting the first uh, new Star Wars content on the itty-bitty screen uh, over on Disney+. Plus. That is Star Wars The Clone Wars The Bad Batch, which was introduced uh, in the first few episodes of Season 7. Uh, on Disney Plus a year or so ago, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we have we have the Bad Batch, which is, is an elite group of misfit clone commandos uh, that uh, during that time, obviously set within the Clone Wars. But this trailer, which we got a, a nice updated one, uh, and then we had a little bit of analysis uh, from uh, Rock Superstars, which is a channel I follow on YouTube, or Super Rock Stars. I you know I see the guy, but I can't remember his name. Um, but breaking down kind of what we see here, so this is uh, perfectly hinged at right at the end of episode three, uh, with the issuing of, um, uh, of of obviously of Order sixty six, uh, and kind of so we're moving for you know we're not really and this was Todd Todd's big gripe like oh I don't want to see another Clone War show blah 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 beat to death yada 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 this is moving I love how I can. I can slag Todd as much as you sons of bitches slag me <laughs> over on co-op. And that is, of course, the the, opposite, the show that, I, that airs the opposite week of this episode, uh, that you guys always really stick it to me whenever you get a chance. So don't think Just I'm not listening. Don't think I'm not listening. <laughs> um, but no, I really dig on this because, again... You know, Oxford made a good point. If it was just another story set within another time frame, it's like, yeah, but these guys, you know, they, they had grilled cheese for lunch or some shit. It just <laughs> it gets very monotonous. But if we are moving, you know, if we're kicking the ball past the goal line and mm-hmm. we're moving into the next 
iteration of this and kind of, you know, what? how did the clones deal with themselves after Order 66 when things started to change, when clones became unnecessary as the, you know, grand army of the new Galactic Empire becomes organic as opposed to clones? What does that mean for the clones? So uh, this looks like it might really touch that, and I think that is a great untapped story resource for Star Wars in general, what that transition looks like. And if this speaks to that, I, I'm definitely interested. Yeah, absolutely. And especially following the Bad Batch, who you have to assume something's going to happen with those chips. They're not going to react the same as all of the other clones. Uh, you know, are they going to completely find a way out or are they going to tie into some other events? Uh, you know, gro- rescuing Grogu to doing you know, really anything starting to, to plant some seeds of the rebellion or something like that. How did the, how does the bad batch transition from that and watching their fellow clones, uh, kind of, you know, break down and, and kill everyone that once trusted them. How, how is the bad batch going to interact there? So I'm, I'm really expecting this to be them dealing with, uh, with the fallout from order 66, but also kind of, find their own little place in the world uh, because I I'm going to just straight up assume that order 66 has no effect on them or that they quickly figure out how to get past it. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. The beauty of it. I mean, the tapestry is so vast. It can't simply be, Oh, this is what we saw. And this is only the way it was. There were tens of thousands of Jedi out there. If there were tens of thousands uh, or if there are a thousand Jedi out there and tens of thousands of clones, there has to be that at least that number of different, stories and takes like we saw your boy Cal Kestis and how he got away mm-hmm. or you saw Caleb Dune who turned into Kanan Jarrus and how he got away and all these different little codicils of how Jedi were able to slip through the tracks or you had clones that were able to you know escape the 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 chip uh, like Captain Rex did and you know be able to go on and live a life and foment the rebellion and, and eventually, you know, turn things around. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'm very excited to see all of that. So that'll be awesome. And Mark, you and I had talked about format change. Once we get to that point, a couple of episodes from now that we are going to dedicate this show to really breaking down those episodes just very thoroughly. And then just making uh, our touch on other things kind of light and just really, again, shifting our focus to the main core visual media that that uh, that Star Wars is the most famous for. So, and yeah. by the time we get to the end of this year, we'll actually be able to talk about live action again when we get the book of Boba Fett in December. Mm-hmm. But that is still a ways off, but we're very excited about it. For sure, yeah. I think that, you know if there's something that's published, you know, whether it's a comic or a, a novel that we really feel needs to be touched on in an in-depth kind of way, of course we're not going to pass over anything there. But yeah, we will be brushing through. I think the. Uh, the, the published stuff a little bit more and focusing a, a lot more effort on the show. So, so I can't wait for that. I'm uh, you know, next episode, we, we won't really touch too much cause it'll still be the April recap, but uh, yeah, starting, starting in May, it's, it's going to kind of shift a little bit. So I'm very, very excited and uh, hope you're, hope you are too. Along for the ride party time. Excellent. It's Wayne's World. Oh, <laughs> that is the end of our show, friends. Thank you, uh, as always, for joining us. We are uh, here at the Holocron Chronicles, part of the Secret Friends Unite 
podcasting network. Uh, you're familiar with, of course, Secret Friends Unite Prime. Uh, you didn't see my air quotes, as I like to call it. Uh, that is Todd Oxrup, my best friend of 25 plus years. And I talking about uh, your smorgasbord, your a la carte of geek media every week on Friday. Uh, co-op mode, that is Mark and Todd talking about video games, which is my kryptonite, so I stay away. Uh, and then uh, every Monday, it's myself uh, plus my friends Rich Daz- Davenport and or Aaron Davies talking about Star Trek over on the Code 47 uh, podcast. You can find us, of course, over on Facebook. We've got a great, uh, vibrant geek uh, discussion community and a podcast page. We're over on Twitter at Secret Friends U. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line over there with a question, a thought, some feedback, uh, something you enjoy for us to talk about, and we will uh, drop that into the podcasting network as well. We can be found on podcasting uh, services far and wide. We're also mirrored uh, over on YouTube. So jump on there. Uh, please give us a great five-star review. It really does help with the visibility of the shows and helps us grow. And speaking of helping us grow, we've got a great store over on TeePublic. Uh, which actually, by the time this comes out, uh, there will be a sale going on April 14, 15, and 16. Uh, over on that store, all of your favorite uh, Secret Friends Unite uh, podcast brands are representative. Uh, show us your love on a t-shirt, a hoodie, a sticker, a notebook, a piece of wall art, a pillow. Uh, I was remarking with my co-host Rich over on Code 47 that they don't do hats, which kills me. Why can't they do hmm. hats? Mark, I've realized I'm, tell- that before. I'm telling you, let's start a letter-writing campaign we want hats. Let's make it happen. Yes. That's a or big we'll thing. find a different store that will do hats. We sure will probably right. not do that. But regard- it's a very empty thread. <laughs> I know. But regardless, uh, proceeds from that do actually ben- benefit the production of the show uh, and some fun stuff that we're talking about for the future. So, friends, as always, thank you for joining us. I'm going to tell you, as always, that sharing is caring and to keep on trucking. May the force be with you. Rex, play us out.